ready yet, of course, but the park will open with the basic tour you're about to take. And then other rides will come online six or 12 months after that. Absolutely spectacular design, spared no expense. And we can charge anything we want, 2,000 a day, 10,000 a day, and people will pay it. And then there's the merchandise. And I can Donald, Donald. This park was not built to cater only for the super rich. Everyone in the world has the right to enjoy these animals. Sure, they will. What, we'll have a, a coupon day or something? <laughs> Gee, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. Well, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than you and I had feared. Yeah, I know. They're a lot worse. Now, wait a second. Now, we haven't even seen the party. Donald, 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 let him talk. There's no reason. No, no, I want to hear every viewpoint. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may. Um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're, that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Condors. Condors are on the verge of extinction. And if oh, I was no. to, no, no, if I was to create a flock of condors on this island, you wouldn't have anything to say. No, hold on. This isn't, this isn't some species that was obliterated by deforestation or, or the building of a dam. Dinosaurs. Uh, uh, had their shot, and nature selected them for extinction. I simply don't understand this Luddite attitude, especially from a scientist. I mean, how can we stand in the light of discovery and, and not act? Oh, what's so great about discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act that scars what it explores, what you call discovery. I call the rape of the natural world. Well, the question is, how can you know anything about an extinct ecosystem? And therefore, how could you ever assume that you can control it? And you have plants in this building that are poisonous. You pick them because they look good. But these are aggressive living things that have no idea what century they're in, and they'll defend themselves violently if necessary. Dr. Grant, if there's one person here who could appreciate what I'm trying to do, the world has just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You're meant to come down here and defend me against these characters, and the only one I've got on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. <laughs> Thank you. And that is our Joygasm featured moment of the week. Steve, what do you think about that particular scene? Russ, I don't, you, know, you don't get very many well-scripted 
give you goosebumps talking scenes like that anymore. Yes. You know? I mean, I was, I'm glued to it. Everything everybody is saying, it makes sense, and I love the the verbiage that they're using, and uh, it's it's fantastic. It really is. You know, this is the first time in a long time that I watched this particular scene, and I forgot just how intellectually stimulating it really is. I mean, when you listen to what each of those characters had to say. They were very well spoken, very well thought out. Each of them had um, like their own like points to make that were each valid and sound. And I don't know, in this day and age, it really is refreshing to have an adult, like listen in on, a, on an adult conversation right. that doesn't erupt into name calling or cussing or like just all it's, it's like, again, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to see something that, that really causes one to think. Right. And I think a lot of what they talked about, granted, this was a, a fictional story about Jurassic park, but I think that some of the themes that they explored are completely relevant in today's world, especially with stem cell research and the, and genetics and like how, uh, well, they've been able to successfully clone, I think even humans at this point, I think is, is probably possible, even though they haven't come out and really advertised that because I think there'd be some sort of huge social outcry or outrage from it. But I think they've probably done it by now. And, and it's, I, I, I don't know. I think what's really cool about Jurassic Park as a movie is on the one hand, it's like this action thriller. But on the other hand, they have multiple scenes like that, that, that talk about certain things that really give the viewer food for thought. And I, I really find myself appreciating scenes like that, 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 I don't know, like they, they, they excite me on a different level. They give me goosebumps in a different way. And especially with Jeff Goldblum's uh, speech there, what did you think of, of what he had to say? That, well, we had a whole different Jeff Goldblum in that time <laughs> i mean we that that's the jeff goldwyn that we had like during the fly uh days and sure it, it, he's become a little bit more quirky later on <laughs> you know? but no he played that part absolutely fantastic and i, I love it. all his all his thoughts and his process and his um his civility like he was trying to give other people time to talk he knew he had a thought he needed to express and an important one at that and maybe he was thinking perhaps everyone is at this table except for the lawyers thinking the same thing. And I'm just the first to say it. But, uh, man, no, he he hit it out of the park. I remember watching that in the theater. And I really didn't grasp it at the time. I was right. pretty young. And I remember Dad in the theater at the same. That was an excellent conversation. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't, understand. What are they? I didn't even know what was happening. And he goes, no, when you're older. You'll, you'll understand. I'm like, okay. Gosh. Well, if you think about it, that film was released in 1993. Yeah. So that means that I was in eighth grade and you were in sixth grade. Uh, 93? Yeah. Hmm. I thought I was in fifth. Yeah. I mean, elementary school, but. Right. I just, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's really, really neat to see. I think another perspective that I have regarding the film is. I love the approach that they took with, especially with those earlier scenes where they pushed the idea that this was an amusement park that was on the verge of opening up. 
And so it was almost like we also got kind of a behind the scenes insider look as to how everything works. And as um, a kid or a teenager or even an adult, when you think of the early 90s, we didn't have as much accessibility that we do today in terms of like, if you want to find out about Universal Studios or if you want to find out about Disneyland, you know, if you want, if you're curious about like, say, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, you can go onto YouTube and they have like people who have videotaped the entire ride in its entirety. You have behind the scenes as to how they maintain the ride and how stuff works. I mean, there's just a lot that you can digest. But back in the early 90s, you really didn't have that. I mean, the internet itself was still in dial-up mode back in the day. Like, there was there was none of, of that information available. And so, really, the public only had access to the parks when they would go to them and then experience the rides. And I think that this was a very novel approach for the film where it was able to present it in a way that gave us that backstage pass, so to speak. And I think as a result, it made the the world more realistic and it made it more tangible. And I think even the conversations like the one that they just had there also gave a lot of, of realistic credibility to an otherwise heavy action thriller movie that had dinosaurs and whatnot. But I mean, the movie the entire time, it was so realistic. One of the other things too I loved about that particular scene is how when there was some kind of disagreement, like with the lawyer, for instance, who was, who was essentially trying to shut Jeff Goldblum's character up. But then you had, um, I can't remember the character's name, but the basically the, the guy who owned the park. Right. He really said, no, no, I, I want to hear all viewpoints and I want to see what he has to say. And, you know, again, it's so neat to be able to witness a, a conversation that's like that, that, I could just sit there and just listen to them talk. And maybe like, I don't agree with certain parties as much as I do with others, but still there's such an air of respect. And again, like, like the, the way that they approach the subject matter, I just, I, I think that was one of the, the components to the secret sauce that made Jurassic Park super right. successful. I mean, of course, I mean, the first film was like, Gangbusters. Well, the, the the first film was the closest to the book too. And did, so did you read the, the I, Michael Crichton book? I read the yes, I read Jurassic Park and I read The Lost World. And The Lost World as a book was a good book, but the movie didn't really follow it all too well. But this was really close. I mean, the entire feeling that I had reading the book was the same feeling I had watching the movie. That it was that close. Uh, so, but when you listen to what everybody is is uh, you know expressing their their viewpoints. At first, you're thinking, yes, this is going to sell. I mean, who's not going to want to go pay big bucks to right. go see the dinosaurs? I would. It's 2000 bucks. Okay, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. No one has seen this in millions of, you know, these, these creatures in millions of years. Yes, I will go pay. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I'd be fearing for my life because these things are hunters, and they're huge, and they're ginormous, and they're very deadly, and <laughs> you're taking your life in your hands. You touch on something that's actually, I, I didn't even think about, but you uh, brought this to my attention. So I thank you about this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the brilliant aspects that I give kudos to the script writers, whoever did the screenplay for this, this was a brilliant approach based on, I'm, I'm kind of writing the coattails of what you just said as a viewer. I just realized that 
as each character had their turn to tell whatever it is that they wanted to tell about their opinion or their angle on this whole thing, I found my opinion constantly in this organic state of updating to agree with that particular person. So like to your point, like it started out with um, the lawyer talking about like how this is great, how this is awesome. We can charge whatever we wanted to do. And I'm thinking, yeah, man, I would totally pay top dollar to see dinosaurs in real life and how this is a huge success. And even in the film at that point in time, they hadn't actually seen the whole park. They just saw like just a little bit of it. But, um, but then as soon as it goes over to Jeff Goldblum's character, then all of a sudden I'm thinking, Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, it does seem like, like it was rushed. Like, right. like there's more kind of like the business greed side of things and not to mention the whole angle of how they were so quick. Again, one of the most iconic, famous lines from any movie in the history of film, that whole line of just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And I think that that rings true in so many different scenarios. But then you go over to um, what's the, what's the the female character's name? I know there's Doctor Grant, and uh, it's been a long time since I've seen. It, even though I just saw, I was watching the scene, but they go to her, and she had some good lines too, just about the the plants and how like you have 65 million years that supposedly are separating humanity from dinosaurs, and of course Doctor Grant kind of went into more detail about that. But it was so cool to be able to like, as it, it, it kind of leapfrogged from person to person around that table. I mean, by the time it goes all the way around full circle, it, is, it was just funny how um, there, was, there was never any point of view that I was like ardently against. You know that the, it was Hammond who was at the head of the table. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And his name is Richard Attenborough. Uh huh. And I'm wondering, I'm I'm just taking a wild stab in the dark here, but uh, I'm wondering if he is related to, uh, I think his name is David At- Attenborough. I have no idea. He's on the BBC. He narrates wildlife shows. Okay. Like um, Planet Earth, mm-hmm. for example. And he <laughs> and he does a great job. He's one of those people who can say very little, but express so much. Uh, and he's done lots and lots and lots of that. So anyway, it'd, it'd be funny if he was, if they were actually related because one guy is doing the nature shows in real life and then his brother does <laughs> the Jurassic Park with the dinosaurs and with that. Anyway, I'm just drawing parallels. Not a problem. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And we're just hoping that you're having an awesome day today on... September 20th, 2019. Uh, let me think here. I'm actually impressed that we are on episode 140, Steve. I thought it was 137. <laughs> Where have I been? <laughs> I haven't been counting, apparently. Oh, man. So we have um, quite a few things to discuss, although not too many. How about that? Mm. How, how was that for the old seesaw approach? <laughs> We have a few gaming news tidbits that involve Apple and Anthem. And then uh, we also have something for movie news as well that I don't want to give away at this point, but it it, uh, has to do with The Princess Bride. You may, all of you listeners out there have uh, heard the story already, but you're not, if not, then uh, you definitely need to continue listening. 
Our topic of the day is our Gears 5 reactions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, just keep listening. So what is going on with you this past week, Steve? Russell, I, um, I shaved the beard. You did. Which, and I must say, you look yeah. handsome. Yeah. Dashing yeah. even. The old baby butt cheek face. I'm Extra telling soft. you. It's amazing what happens when you shave off some of the grays. You, you have all of a sudden rekindled yeah. more of, of your youth. But yes. It's not like practical joke youth. It's more like, oh, he looks like he's like 30 years old again or yeah. 33. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, you want that the closer you get to 40. Right. So that was fun and interesting. And let's see. So I I got Game Pass. Oh, you know what I did? I went back on Game Pass. I was mentioning this last episode. I got, oh uh, gosh, what is it called? A rash. I got Kingdom Come. Oh. I haven't tried it yet. Okay. And I got Everspace. Nice. That yeah, was we, that we, spaceship yeah. game we saw. Oh, yeah. And you know what I was thinking too? I I have I know you have the South Park games, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if those are available on Game Pass. I haven't searched for them. You'll have to do a search. They have, right. I think, over a hundred titles in there. Yeah. So, and if they don't, then hey, I've already beaten the Stick of Truth. Hey, you can start out with that one. Okay. It's a lot of fun. I think I will. And you know what I watched? Uh, it was Mortal Engines. Did, did you see that one? I never did. How was it? So it's it's kind of a, of a movie for the kids, but it's not a bad. That's not a bad thing. I didn't really care to see it in the theater, but I still wanted to see it. I mean, it's, uh-huh. you know, Peter Jackson. And I, it was nice to watch the movie with no cussing and no, uh, no nudity and whatever. And it just come kinda, on, I know you like to nah, see some boobs. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, it was, it was, it's very lighthearted. Um, who, who's the actor from, uh, the matrix, uh, who was also a Hugo weaving. Hugo weaving is in it. The man, which is awesome. And yeah, no, I just had a great time with it. It was very, it's very colorful. They have these airships that are pretty cool. And it got me thinking what Peter Jackson could do and what's his studio. It's, um, what a digital, uh, yeah, yeah. What could they do with Star Wars? All them boys, all the New Zealand boys. I don't know. I would be very interested in what they could do with it. It's a, it's a, I have no idea. You never know. They may have actually worked on the more recent Star Wars films. You have to look at the credits and see if yeah. they're in there. Well, I kind of doubt it. I don't know. I think, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they did. I just I was watching this movie and, and all the little designs they had for the ships and I thought man they just came out of this and maybe I I think there was maybe a book that was written on it but anyhow they came up with these ideas from scratch and I thought all these all these ships are cool looking it's like this kind of idea that they have where it's not they're they're all not super powerful ships but they're trying to make use of all the energy they have right and so some somehow they they kind of uh, are kites but they have some jets on them to give them from point A to point B a little faster. Anyway, uh, it was kind of cool. So I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but um, it's not a great, terrific, but it, it was it was lighthearted. Right on. So I have a few more movies I got to watch. I've been sitting there collecting dust. So I might have a 
some uh, a list to give you next time. Well, I'm curious to hear what you think of Everspace because I definitely want to check that out and see if, if it's as fun as it looks. Well, I would have started it by now, but I was playing nothing but Gears 5. As well you should, <laughs> considering it's our topic of the day. We were twitching. Okay, so I think you need to set the difficulty back a little bit, Russ. I'll have you know I did. Because after that last uh, yeah. bout. Yeah. yeah, no, we spent like an hour and a half and we walked like five steps. I will say, though, that was still a lot of fun. Like, I mean, just, just it wouldn't have been fun if it was just myself. Right. But playing with you in, in a co-op game like that and just some of the comments that were made. I mean, there was one point where I just started to laugh. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Hysterically. I, I could not even see the screen. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. But you kept, uh, you kept a good aim. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's pretty easy out. when you have the boom shot. You just kind of <laughs> yeah. generally aim and fire, and the splash damage will take care right. of it. Right. There you go. What about you? What have you been doing? So I'm still making my way through Sekiro. I think last time I told you I had bested my foster father. Right. And I've been making it a little bit farther along in the Fountain Palace. And so... It's been a lot of, again, it's it's just, it's great. I know that it's coming to an end here soon. I know there's still some left, as, as well as having some super hard bosses. I, I went back to the Harada estate, and uh, that was where my foster father reappears. Because, if oh, well, you didn't see the plant. When I bested him the first time, he dropped this little bell from, like, his outfit. And this woman, who's the doctor, Dr. Emma, gave it to me and said, oh, this fell off of him when you beat him. You know, maybe you can uh, use it, which is, this is actually a really cool component to Sekiro. They have a couple of instances where when you receive some kind of bell-oriented thing, you can ring it, and what happens is it stirs up a memory that is somehow connected to that item. So the first time you go to like Harada Estate, for instance, this this woman that you come across in the, in the world gives this to you, and so you use it, and then you're able to gain perspective on this ancient memory. However, the memory itself is contained within the perspective of that person. So you're playing a level that's based, like you're going back in time and like revisiting a memory, and so you're you're playing an active role in that. But everything you see and interact with is dependent upon that person's perspective of what they recall from that memory. So what happened was is that when I got the little bell thing that was left over from my foster father, I ring that bell and I'm taken back to Harada Estate, only this time it's from his perspective. Hmm. So then things are slightly different. They're slightly off and then certain enemies that were there were no longer there. And then even when like when they, when certain uh, enemies see me, they even had dialogue like, whoa, I thought you were dead. You know, like there's just a lot of stuff that just puts a lot of puzzle pieces together. I found myself thinking about how cool it would be to actually have a game that would um, extrapolate that idea out. Because in this game, you only have it happen really twice. But I was thinking, man, it'd be so cool to have some kind of like detective oriented game where, you know, it's still an action game and everything, but like you're somehow able to like go back into people's memories using some sort of tangible item. And then those are the levels as you go through all the while you're putting the pieces together and, and you know, what started out as like a fragmented memory could then be constructed into something that has the vantage point of everybody. So then you get the true story. I don't know. I think that'd be really novel <laughs> approach. 
But anyway, that, that's kind of digressing off the game. I cannot beat my foster father in round two, no. I tell you. He's got a few new moves up his sleeve, and he's a lot more aggressive, if you can believe it, from the first time. So I'm doing my best to try and get past him. Once I do, I believe there are only two more huge boss fights in the game before I He's got the paddle and the belt this time. Exactly. And he's a little, uh, little salty about our <laughs> first encounter. So aside from that... Of course, I, I too have been playing Gears 5, had a blast playing with you on Twitch this past Wednesday as we were uh, making our way. Thank you, by the way, for helping me past that wall of difficulty. It was fun. And after we had played that, I ended up, today actually, I, re I put the difficulty back down to normal. I had it like one step above, and I just I ended up finding a... Um, another wall where I was like, man, how on earth am I going to like get past this? So I'm like, okay, you know what? I just want to play through the game and then I'll play right. it back through again on a higher difficulty. So I did that and, and I was able to, to make my way along without giving any kind of like massive spoilers away on the show. Can you generally describe kind of where you're at in the story? I am at the last part from what I can tell. <laughs> I'm at the last part of that snow level. Okay, so I'm not sure what the last part is. I am... So you take that skiff and you're looking around different, right. different spots. Did that. And you're doing small discoveries. Yep. Um, there is some extra stuff you can do. There's a little question mark, little areas that you can find. And so I did all those and... So now I'm in this, I'm in the lab. You're, you're, you're supposed to get yes. to the lab. And I found the lab. Yes. And I'm in the lab as well. Right. And you're supposed to find this AI and discover something about uh, the main uh, girl's past. And right. Her connection with the, the horde or whatever they're called. Yeah. The locust. The locust. And so something happens and I won't tell you what it is, but uh, you make a connection. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So now I am at that part and it's hard and I can't pass it. And I know what I need to do, but it's, it takes patience. <laughs> so I think you are probably about five minutes ahead of me because no, it's more than five minutes. Okay. Cause I'm where I'm at is I'm following, um, a certain someone around who's yeah. giving me a tour. Uh -huh. There's a lot of exposition that's being uh -huh. revealed. I see a certain dossier on a certain someone and um, yeah, I'm kind of at a point where I'm getting the feeling like it's leading up to something. It's leading up to something and maybe I'm going to get betrayed or something like that by this little SOB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. I just get this feeling like uh, uh, he's not to be trusted. <laughs> no, no. You can't trust a, a rolling TV with you. Exactly. It talks to you. Now, are you, so is that pretty close to where you left off? Um, it, that's, I'm a little bit further on. Yeah. There's a couple more things that you have to do, but okay. yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty close. Okay. Yeah. It'd be fun to be able to sync up with you again, especially with uh, the reduced difficulty and just continue playing through that. Cause I, I had a blast playing with that with you. Finally. Well, okay. Let me back up just really, <laughs> really quickly. I almost forgot. So going back to the Sekiro thing. There are two YouTube content creators who I have just been loving lately. I think I mentioned one of them to you before. His name is Fighting Cowboy. Have I told you about him? Sounds familiar. 
So he has been very helpful in just, um, he has these complete playlists. He has one playlist where you see him playing through uh, for the first time through the game. And I, I must say it is therapeutic to listen to someone get as frustrated as I get when I'm playing the game because the game is so hard. It is one of the hardest games I've ever played in my life. And it's, it's just great to have that kind of shared misery together where, where you hear him yelling and cursing and everything else. And then he also has his other playlist, which is a hundred percent walkthrough and it's where he's, he's going back through it. So he's already a pro and like how to defeat everything. And he's just doing it so that people who are stuck, they can be able to go through. And I've been using quite a few of his videos just to kind of see how he handles certain situations as well as finding certain secrets that maybe I missed because I, I want to be able to get as, as much of a completion as I can as well. So he's a lot of fun and he has, I mean, he is on the ball. Like, like every new game that comes out, I mean, he starts posting a playlist of that particular game. It, it's honestly, we should probably do If we had more time in our hands, that'd be actually really cool for us to be able to do that too. Um, the other guy is Tyrannicon and he is so funny too, because he gets so mad, like, like fighting cowboy, he gets mad in his own way. And, and he has a lot of funny things to say. Tyrannicon is more like the angry Joe rage version <laughs> where, I mean, he is like screaming. He gets so mad at times and rightfully so, because like, I mean, I completely understand watching him fight a boss that I've already beaten. I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to see how he's going to handle this. And like literally everything that he says that's in response to what's happening on screen went through my head too. As I'm playing, I'm like, what is this? You know, just going through it. So Maybe after the show, I'll, I'll, I'll play some uh, little tidbits for you. But for those of you listening out there, if you love video games and perhaps you're stuck on one, maybe it's Sekiro, maybe it's another one, um, I, I would recommend you check these two guys out because they're really fun to listen to. They've got a lot of uh, great, helpful hints and tips and stuff as to how to get through a, a rough patch if you're having one. So it's a lot of fun. Back to what I was going to say. Um what came, I, I got something in the mail today, Steve. Did you? A little shipment of sorts. I'm going to bend over and uh, show you just a minute. I'm, I'm, don't worry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to moon you, Steve. <laughs> ah, it's the crack of dawn. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Voila. Oh man, I knew it. The Sega Genesis Mini is in my hot little hand here. It is, it is, I don't know. It, it brings back so much just to hold it and to see it like this. The packaging of course is done as the original packaging. When the Sega Genesis came out, I believe in 1989 was the, uh, the, the year it, it debuted, but yeah, 30th anniversary. This thing has over 40 games that you can see on the back here. Shining force two. Uh, I know it comes with, I know it comes with, uh, I think it's called Strider. Man, it is tough. There are so many back here. Uh, I'm not sure. I yeah, think they, I want to say. I, know, I remember exactly how the cover Oh, was. yeah. Okay, there's Shining Force something over there in the corner. Yeah, you have to take a look at there. But it looks like, I mean, obviously there's uh, Revenge of Shinobi, Sonic the Hedgehog. I think Road Rash is in there. Road Rash is in there, yeah. Toe Jam and Earl, Shining Force, uh, Shi or no, uh, Fantasy Star Online. Altered Beast. Got Castlevania. 
so they have Shining Force 1, which definitely is not bad. They have Virtual Virtual Fighter 2 came out for the Genesis or on the Genesis. I guess so. Man. Uh, they have Earthworm Jim. That was a good one, too. I love that game. Uh, I think Didn't you have that one back in the day? Oh, yeah. Earthworm, yeah. yeah. That, that's with Queen What's-Her-Face. Literally, that's her name. What's-Her-Face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think they do have, what is that, Thunder... It's a, I can't Thunder Force? It. It's yeah. Thunder Force, but I don't know if... I think that's only... I think that's one or two. I thought one. it was Thunder Force 3. Okay, it could be three. I'm, I'm trying to read it. So, yeah. Well, there's a lot of good ones on there. Yeah, though, so there's Strider right there, too. That was a classic. What's cool, too, is it comes with two controllers, which I think is great. And they're the classic controllers. I'm a bit conflicted in the sense that they are not the um, updated six-button Genesis controllers. But you know what? We're going for original here. I mean, even the, the console itself, I'm so glad that they went with the original design, not the cheaper redesign that they came out with a little bit later. Right. This uh, this has Gunstar Heroes, too. I remember... That, that was one. a great game. I remember playing that with you back in the day. I wish they had some of the sequels, though. Like, Golden Axe was fun, but I played it to death. I w- but I wish they had Golden Axe 2. I like Golden Axe 2. I'm a fan of uh, just the, the Golden Axe series. I think Streets of Rage is on here. Yeah. Also, okay, Echo the Dolphin, Castle of Illusion, Star Mickey Mouse. That one was awesome. That was a great game. Uh, Castle of Illusion was actually pretty good graphics for Genesis. They have uh, Contra Hardcores, which is like, I mean, I think that was like probably one of the very few Contra games that actually made it to the Genesis because that was predominantly a Nintendo third-party right. title. Of course, you can't go, you can't go wrong with uh, columns. I also, I played Beyond Oasis. That was another classic. Gosh, there's so much Kid Chameleon. Even the Mega Man game, you know, that it was crazy that Capcom actually made a Mega Man game for the Genesis. Anyway, I have barely even had a chance to look at all this. Oh, Strider's on here, too. So that's, Streets that's, of Rage. That's what I told you. Oh, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, man. So much goodness. Now, there is even Vector Man, which I never played, so I'm glad it's on here because I have to give it, a, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. Well, we don't have too much in the form of gaming news, but we do have a few little tidbits that I thought were worthy of sharing. The first one is just, it's so funny. Console controllers supported in Apple iOS 13. What I think is hilarious about this is last week, our topic of the day was the Apple event 2019. And we were actually discussing at length about what we were wanting to see with the Apple Arcade that was really heavily promoted and announced. One of the things that I was talking about was how I really wanted to see some kind of device that allows gamers to be able to use a controller of their choice, like a universal controller. What's insane is that apparently they're doing just that. When you look at the iOS 13, which is slated to drop, I guess, later this month, apparently they are going to have universal compatibility allowing gamers to be able to play with either an Xbox One controller or a PS4 controller. That right there, it it makes me so excited and happy because that is the one thing that has been holding me personally back from really playing a lot more mobile titles simply because a lot of the games out there are just too frustrating to control due to the virtual interface. Does that make you excited, Steve? You know, I I just like keeping the experiences separate. You know, I have that. I have my Xbox controller, I have my PlayStation controller, and 
My mobile, I don't want it to feel like a PlayStation. You know, I just want to, I, I want to hold the phone in my hand and do what I got to do. I think the, the key here is to make sure that developers continue developing games with gameplay mechanics that take advantage of the mobile platform. I don't want them to fall into this trap of thinking that everybody's just going to play their games using like a console controller. That's bad. Definitely keep it with the mobile gamers in mind and with, with how like you have virtual controls. However, having said that, there are tons of games out there, whether it's a racing game or an RPG, maybe it's an, uh, just an action game in general, a first person shooter. I mean, like for instance, first person shooter is a great example where you really can't control something like that very well using virtual controls. You need tactile, something that, that enables you to have Twitch responses to things. This is a terrific approach to it. And it, I think one of the things that makes me so excited about it too is we are starting to see more and more of this happen where it's not anymore about like, oh, our camp versus their camp. You know, we only play games with this controller and this system. We're starting to see more and more examples of this cross-platform functionality. That's a huge win for gaming. Just it doesn't matter who you are. Well, Everybody loves options. It's like, what, what do you want to play with? You like PlayStation? Cool, use a PS4 controller. You like Xbox? Cool, use the Xbox One controller. Oh, you don't want to play Xbox games on the Xbox system? Not a problem. You can play your you know, your mobile games using an Xbox controller. Again, having all that fluidity in there is just terrific. Second item on the list here is that a game I'm particularly also looking forward to, Link's Awakening for Nintendo Switch is out tomorrow. IGN gave it a 9.4 out of 10. And it's a big deal to me because I have never played any of the isometric top-down Zelda titles in the past, simply because I didn't really own any, any Nintendo system. So I'm looking forward to this because it's a reimagining of a, a classic that came out, I think, in 1993, which actually that one was also a classic of one of the games that came out, I think, in the 80s. So it's clearly one of the more cherished Zelda games, if you can believe it, because I think probably each and every Zelda game <laughs> is highly regarded because they're, they're so well done. But anyway, thought I'd throw that in there because that's super cool. Finally, Bioware abandons Anthem post-launch plans. I was surprised to kind of see this. IGN was reporting on it. Uh, I honestly thought they had already abandoned it. But apparently they hadn't. Like, they actually still had stuff that, that was a part of their scope and roadmap. Well, they made it official that they are no longer going to be executing on any of those things. Not even a year later. I mean, that game came out this year. It right. came out, like, what, February? Uh, yeah, I believe it was February. That's insane. And apparently, like, the, the boss over there was talking about how they're still going to be, like, reevaluating and looking at, like, how they can make the game better. I personally think it's, I don't know, it's kind of a no-brainer, judging from, like, how the gaming community has been very upfront and being candid of, of just what needs to happen in terms of improving the game. I mean, to me, it's, it's not a, a mystery. You just, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I, they'll probably make a second one and put everything into the game that they should have put in the first game and show it at E3 amongst a bunch of hisses and boos and then they'll probably apologize and be like, oh, but it's really going to be good this time and then most people will probably pick it back up. And it's crazy too how like that game 
was just it had so much going for it in terms of, potential, of yeah. the, the hype and yeah. potential and people really wanting to play it. and even when, when we played it the game itself like the combat mechanics i thought were fantastic they were sound it's just the game was too empty it was unfinished i do have one little story that is not so little in terms of its content apparently there is a Princess Bride remake possibility. Steve, if you were given the decision to greenlight or nix a Princess Bride remake, what would you do? I would flush that idea down the toilet. I think that is one movie that is perfect through and through. And to remake it, yeah, you're, I think you'd be treading on thin ice. Carrie Ells shares your sentiment, Steve. Didn't he tweet about it? I was I meant to look up his feed on, on Twitter and see what he said, but I, I didn't get to it. Carrie Ells tweeted a cryptic and clever response to news of Hollywood execs flirting with the idea of remaking the cherished film. Quote, there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. Yes. It would be a pity to damage this one. Oh my goodness. That is such the perfect response. It is indeed. I I was applauding that. I was like, I could not believe it. That's so classy. Man. It definitely gets the point across. If if they were going to do... Okay, so if they were going to do something with The Princess Bride, they would do a sequel, but it would have to be the original screenwriters, you know, cast, everything. I mean, and Andre the Giant is obviously not going to be there, so that's not going to be good, but... Well, there's just certain titles that through the passage of time, just leave them alone. They were perfect for a reason. There's no reason to go back and say, oh, I want to do a reboot or I want to do a remake yeah. other than greed. It's like, it's... don't get greedy. You need to leave those on the shelf. Leave them as they are because Man. they... Those caliber of films are so few and far between. They don't even collect dust. There's nothing. They don't collect dust. Just don't ruin my childhood. (laughs) You know, don't ruin my childhood. Well, grab your Lancer and chainsaw some grubs. It's time for the topic of the day. topic of the day is our Gears 5 impressions. So we have made our way, I would say, what, roughly? We're, um, we're in Act 2. We're in Act 2, right, right. Um, so two-thirds of the way through, I, I suppose, because I, I would say we're probably toward the end of Act what, 2. What, what do you think? Is, is there only four acts, or how many acts are there? I don't know. I wanted to say three. A one, a two, a, two, a three. Because that would, that would be very short if it was only three acts. Because I, I there's I'm I'm nearly done with this snow level, which would mean that if the if that's it, and there's only one more like long sequence, because that that's a long level. 
<clears throat> if there was only one more sequence, that'd be kind of, I don't know. I'm completely and utterly wrong, Steve. I just looked it up. In total, there are 15 chapters ah! in Gears 5 spread across four different acts. So there are, okay, so there are, <laughs> I like how you, <laughs> so I wasn't completely off. It's not three acts, there are four acts. So yeah, we're halfway through just about. Because I would say we're probably toward the end of act two. Doesn't feel like we're halfway through the game though. They are planning on doing uh, several DLC drops over the course no. of the year yeah, with expanded uh, story, I'm told. Right. Extra goodies and that sort of thing. So, uh, What do you think of Gears 5 thus far? And I suppose we should preface this with saying that I'm more of a Gears of War fan than Steve is. Steve has not played uh, most of the other Gears titles. However, for the sake of the show... And for him to be kind of get a kind of a refresher to see where the game has come. Actually, he's really great to ask this question too, just because the last game he played was the original Gears of War, which came out quite a while ago. So I want to know. Just well, I think I played. No, I played that one, but I think I played three also. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. So what do you think of Gears 5? So I like Gears 5. I would say out of the first and third gear that I have played. I like the fifth gear uh -huh. the most. It has what I was familiar with the other games, which is fine. Uh, since I and I only watched you play Gears Four, and I didn't really care. I mean, from what I saw, it wasn't really awe inspiring. I didn't really actually like the colors and and um, the gate, like the level design wasn't that. Anyway, I'm sure I'll probably take some flack for that, but I, just watching it, it, it wasn't really very, very fun. The level design on this one was a lot better, a lot more color, and uh, since the last time I played the game, there's been some more weapons that are now available, and of course some uh, some familiar faces, and some faces I miss. And uh, but you know it's 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 very similar where it you you kind of tell where the action's going to be, and then the action's there, and the story is relatively shallow. But you know, I'm I'm definitely glad that I, I picked it up. I'm, I'm I'm having fun with it. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I have been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I like I said earlier, I have always been a Gears of War fan. I I don't know. Like, there's something about it that I just find fun. I, I've always loved the over the top mentality of Gears of War. I think it's what helps it stand head and shoulders above other competitors in terms of the first-person shooter genre. Not in the sense that it's necessarily better than the others, it's just different than the others. I think it's, there's something to be said in terms of like how instead of it being first-person, it's actually, well, technically it's a third-person uh, shooter. And it's it's a lot of fun to be able to see the, the strides they've made with the game in all aspects, really. I mean, I think that they've, you can tell that they have placed efforts in updating the gameplay, updating the graphics, updating the sounds, updating the level design. I mean, everything about it, just you could tell that they're wanting to consciously push things out of it from where they used to be. So I, I for one, really appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing where this, this whole thing takes me, but... Let's let's break this down a little bit. Let's talk about the graphics. So, of course, they use the Unreal Engine, and that is hands down one of the best engines on the market in gaming. I mean, every iteration of that engine that comes out, I'm, I cannot believe what it is capable of. It's just amazing to me to see 
what developers are able to do with it. And I think, and this is this is no exception when the coalition obviously is is, is kind of a branching off from Epic Games. I think that that in some areas of the game, I think it's some of the best graphics I've seen on the Xbox One. When when you look at like how the frame rate is like this nice, you know, buttery 60 frames per second and ah, you like 60 frames a second, do you? <laughs> I like it when it especially in my games. I do I do love me some 60 frames per second. Mm-hmm. Um I I've heard if you have a high-end PC, you can play uh, games at like 144 frames per second. I don't even know what that must be. I mean, that must be like supreme butter right there. <laughs> I never, I don't care for butter too much, but when it's supreme butter, I pay for it <laughs> on my popcorn. What now? Having said that, what is kind of weird is that there are certain areas of the world that don't look as good as the others. And I don't know if you've noticed that yourself or not, but like sometimes like I'll be going through just, just like um, just a general area. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, the graphics don't look as good here as they did just two seconds ago. Right. It's almost seemed like they, they storyboarded out some really good scenes. Like someone draw where they were going to go and they went, yeah, that looks incredible. Let's put that in the game. And then they did. And then, other points from where the first drawing was to the second drawing, and they go, oh, we just need to kind of fill this up a little bit here. And then they, 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 that was the glue, I guess, to the two cool looking parts. Yeah. I know too, that they're trying to simulate subsurface scattering and, and, uh, indirect global illumination just to get more of a realistic look in terms of like the lighting and the shadows and stuff. But th- there were certain parts that had no shadow whatsoever to anything. And it just came across flat. So, I don't know. It's a bit interesting to me. I do think it's worth uh, mentioning that in terms of where we are thus far, I really do love more of the open areas. I think that that is um, a new. Mm, yeah, I, I would say a new approach to the world of gears simply because gears tend in the past, they, they kind of funnel you through this linear path. And, right. You know, you go from, point A to point B to point C, that sort of thing. And there's really not a whole lot of, of um, exploration, really. But in this game, they actually are taking more strides to that. I like that. I do, too. I I had to remember how the other gears played because it, I was finding myself thinking, this is, like, incredibly linear. I mean, I, I can't even, like, jump up on a log. Right. You know, I, but I can, I can jump up on a step that's bigger than the log. What in the world is happening? And then you get on that, that skiff and then you, you can go pretty much anywhere you want. And right. that's definitely really new, but very welcoming too. The animations also, um, in terms of the facial animations, I'm really impressed both obviously with more of the cinematics, but also in, in the in-game cinematics too. I really love just watching that occur. It, it doesn't have anything that's jarring or out of place. It, it matches up really well with the voiceovers I'm trying to think what else can I say about the animations I will say is I think that some of the animations when it comes to the characters like if, if they're doing the whole rodeo camera thing where they're like sprinting from one place to another that that seems to be kind of rinse and repeat for me throughout all That's of them true yeah and I have kind of a conflicted viewpoint on that just because on the one hand, like you want to be able to retain certain things in any given game. That is the signature of that title. I do think that having the rodeo cam, for instance, that is one of the things that defines gears of war. So I am glad that that is there. I do wish there are certain things though. Like I wish that you could jump. 
Like yeah. in the game, I wish right. that there was just some way. Like I know that they try and fake it when like you're you're in cover and you can kind of volley over like your cover and grab someone or something like that. That's not the same thing. Right. So it's a little frustrating when you're just like, golly, dude, like I don't want to have to like intentionally butt myself up against someone in cover and then jump over it. Like, no, I should just be able to jump over it. Yeah, you can dive, but that's, yeah, that's totally different. Yeah. The storyline itself, again, we haven't beaten the game, so we, we are just now starting to come into some heavy exposition. I do like where they're taking it, simply because in the past it was a very different direction with having over the top characters. They have like, you know, big muscles, big larger than life personalities. And again, it just, it fit the world and everything else. And there was, you know, enough there where it gave purpose to why we're playing this game in the first place. But you can tell in gears five, there is a very conscious effort placed in late. Let's really expand this out. Let's introduce new characters. Let's give, more of a backstory of how the, the locust came to be and that sort of thing. And so I appreciate that. What do you think? Yeah. Well, mm, I can take it or leave it to be honest. <laughs> it's it's I, not a deep story. Yeah, no, it's not a deep story. And I, I do care what happens to the characters, but not enough to, to pay very, very close attention. I can halo while I was paying attention to everything. And I think they've actually probably drawn some elements between like Cortana and the flood and with uh, the main female protagonist in, in this one. But I, since the flood is not intelligent, mm. I, I think, I think the game wants us to think they're intelligent because they can use our, our same weapons and they've invaded and, and are in previous games and whatnot, but I just don't see it. And so therefore it's hard for me to care that much. Uh, but I mean that that's not neither here nor there. I mean it it it's not a game I think that you really want to dive deep into the story. I think you just play it because it's a rowdy shoot 'em up game and yeah. there's plenty more to enjoy besides the story. The story is just there to, to to push things along to get you to from level to level to level to to see the the beauty, I guess, that they have now created that's to me, far and above what the other games were. The other games seemed real, real dreary, kind of dry, not not nearly as saturated. Had that kind of color. destroyed beauty yeah. look to everything. Again, that was kind of one of the more of the the calling cards of the game, which I I personally thought was cool. What I think is interesting about the story component is that, th- from a relational standpoint, I think that it is actually one of Gears' strengths because you've always had chemistry among the main cast of characters. You know, if you had Marcus Phoenix with Baird and Cole and um, Carmine, you know, all, all those guys that, that existed in the original gears of war games, it was just, it was just fun to listen to their banter. It was fun to see their relationships and how the dynamics worked between all of them. But that's very different than the actual exposition. You know, the storyline itself, there was just, there wasn't a whole lot there. It's like, oh, look, there's these scary monsters. You need to shoot them and kill them and try and survive, move on. You're being attacked. That was kind of it. So it's nice in terms of, even with Gears 5, when they have these new characters coming in and you're, you're seeing the relationships between the, the next generation and the older generation of COGS, uh, I... I I think that they succeed in that. And you can tell that they, they have placed a lot of emphasis on having these complex relationships, being able to showcase 
trust and betrayal and secret skeletons in the closet. And again, loving the, the kind of the camaraderie brother, Hey brother, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) So I think that's a lot of fun. I think the humor is better in this game than it was. I've always, see, I've always liked all the humor in the, in the various games. You know, Dom was another character. If you think about the story, you know, Dom was kind of the, I know you didn't play all of them, but his story was more grounded. Like the other characters were kind of more like WWF style, WWE. (laughs) Uh, But Dom was the character that everybody kind of rallied around because he just, he had more of a sensitivity and realism to just what his situation was in terms of trying to find his wife and all that kind of stuff like that actually had gravity to it. And of course, in this particular title, we're looking at um, this female protagonist who we're still discovering what's going on, but apparently there, there is some sort of complicated past that is coming to fruition. Yeah. I I just thought with four, it seemed like a lot of the humor was forced and a little bit awkward. Mm. And this one, it seems they like they, lightened it up a little bit. Okay. So it's, it feels more natural in terms of the gameplay. So we, I know we talked already a little bit about how it's still, it's still whack-a-mole. You know, you still <laughs> have, you like, you pop up, you pop down, you pop up, you pop <laughs> down. I uh, try and shoot each other, try and hammer each other. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Try and chainsaw each other. And we, the chain, okay. <laughs> the chainsawing never gets old. In my opinion, I love being able to rev up my chainsaw and just go wreak havoc. It's, there's something so satisfying about that. Then I think they need to change that though, because they've had the same kind of animation. It seems like in all they've the games. added more depending on like how you approach a, a <laughs> the <enemy>. angle. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I, I don't know. It seems all too familiar and I want the familiarity, but I want there to be, like, instead of just coming up and hitting B button to do it once, I want to do it to multiple enemies. You know? True. I just don't want to see that five second to 10 second animation, and then another enemy comes up and starts hitting my health away. And then I got to go seek shelter so I can heal up and then go back out and try and do it again. Maybe have some kind of like crowd control animation yeah, or where combo like or, if yeah. you're able to get the, the drop on like say three enemies and they don't know you're there. Maybe different if they're facing you. Cause obviously you're not just going to stand there and let someone go through three of you like that. Right. But yeah, I could see that. I think that'd be fun. I mean, make it a little more of a visual spectacle or if you could, uh, you can just you know, rev up that chainsaw, then I'll just spin around a bunch of times and then just slice and dice a I, little bit, a little bit of kind of a combo special move or something. It is harder, I've noticed in this game, to be able to keep the chainsaw running. In previous Gears games, like when those, I can't remember what they're called, but like the wretches or whatever they are, when they come running, all those little dinky ones, I could hold down the chainsaw and just mow down um, one after another no problem whatsoever. But in this one, after you get done mowing one down, somehow the chainsaw just stops and you have to repress the button for them to re uh, ignite the, the chainsaw. And that leaves you open to attack. So then it can't, you know, oftentimes it'll cancel your revving of the chainsaw because you're getting hit. You know, one animation cancels out the other one. You know what they probably did was uh, they have the Lancers that are energy star efficient. Uh-huh. And so after one rev, one kill, it just shuts off. Mm-hmm. Save energy. Consumption. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we were all, we're all trying to be green <laughs> in the world of Sarah. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Prius Lancer. Yes. 
I do like a lot of the new weapons, kind of like what you were talking about. Having a, a new variety of weapons, I haven't even tried them all yet. I will say that there are certain ones that, are, that I kind of go to. You know, I, I you can't go wrong with a Lancer, in my opinion. I love the Lancer. Um, the 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 bow caster. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like the trip bow or, or the arc trip bow caster or something, or something like that. Like that. Yeah. Still really really awesome. The long shot's great. The Nasher is great. I thought I thought it was called the Torque Torque bow. Maybe that's what it is. Torque yeah. bow. Yeah. So a lot of those. I mean, they were so well conceived when they originally came out with them. It's like yeah, well, if it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Just, just keep using it. <laughs> So there are new ones though, that, and, and I, I'm guilty of not actually being as exploratory as I should. Uh, have you have you tried any of the new war weapons? Yeah, I've tried them. I, I did try I, the snub. That one was pretty good. The snub was okay. I like there. There's a revolver that you get in the game. I don't like. That one's been around for a while. Has it really? Yeah, it's the one that's like super powerful. And I like that one. <sighs> Um, I, you know, I don't choose. McCree would be approving of that gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like the, the Lancer GL, I think it's called. Okay. And then I also like the retro Lancer, the regular Lancer. I'm all, I'm just so, so with, I like the Talon though. Uh-huh. I think, is that a new one? That's a new one, right? That one I think is new. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, and that's, that's, a. About it, well, there's there's some heavier weapons that are pretty good. There's like a like this assault rifle looking uh, gun that's not doesn't have as good of a scope as the long shot, but you can zoom up pretty good on it. Mm-hmm. And if you get some good shots, it it takes just very little time. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I do have my favorites. I don't choose the the Nasher too much unless I know it's definitely going to be cl- close quarters. It's available a lot. Dude, the Nasher is where it's at for close quarter combat. I mean, right. if you, you can just fire that off and I mean, you're seeing chunks. But I like the the other shotgun where you, you pull the trigger and it, it shoots twice. The pow-pow. Yes. I can't remember what it's called. I think that one is a new it's weapon. like an overkill or something. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think you're right. That one's actually, I have used that one. Um, and it is, it takes, for me, it takes a little while getting used to because I'm not used to like having the two shot thing. Yeah. I need to give that some more time. You know, back to the animations for a second. I do, I, I am a sucker for reload animations. I don't mm-hmm. know why, don't ask me why, but I love the reload. Of course, reloading, it's all about that. Especially, you know, even though this is third person, first person, man, I'm all about seeing some some creative approaches to how right. the weapon gets reloaded. Right. Actually, Black, the, the game Black for the PS1, I believe, they <laughs> that's probably the best reloads that, that I've, I've seen. They, and they were, anyway, sorry. Oh. So if you hit a, the perfect reload, at least with a Talon, it does look and sound very good because you, you hit it just right and she flings off the, the, the magazine, shoves the other one in there. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. let's go. And, but you don't see that too much with, with some of the other uh, weapons. And I kind of wish there there was a little more flash and pizzazz. Another new gameplay element is Jack. They have yeah. they have leveraged the, the the AI bot Jack to actually become playable. If you want to have someone co op in with your game, um, whether it's multiplayer or within the story, you can play as Jack. And man, that's actually probably one of the highlights of the game, in my opinion, when you're playing through and seeing how you can um, constantly upgrade Jack with more components. And, you know, you, you have control over like how you want him to be upgraded when you want certain things to be activated and that sort of thing. It's probably one of the more deeper 
updates to the the game itself. Right. Yeah, I would I would have definitely expected them to have some sort of uh, you know robot. Uh, drone sort of thing and this day and or and that day and age. I mean, they're in the future for granted. I would expect that. Although I would, you know, one of my, my criticisms is the sound. Like I want to hear Jack hover, uh, whatever kind of sound that is. I mean, he's always kind of having his jets going. He's, he doesn't have any shortage of fuel, mm-hmm. but I want to hear solar him. power. GD. Right. Solar power. Right. Green solar. Mm. I want to hear him kind of huffing around and or buzzing or making some sort of noise, but complete silence. Mm. I, mean, I don't know. Makes me feel kind of lonely. Uh, FYI to the eye, they do have some kind of Gears 5 forum place where the developers want to hear feedback from the community. So you could mm, sign in there I'm and just let them know, say, hey, you know, FYI, you know, yeah, drop that in there. You know, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to, you know, moan about it. I just want to tell them like, hey, I'm enjoying your game, but this, I, if you could do this maybe in the next game, that'd be awesome. Yeah, if you're on the title screen of Gears 5, when you press the menu button, it has a little tray that comes up. There's one of the things on there that explains uh, where hmm. you can do that. I'll have to take a peek. In terms of the different types of gameplay mechanics they have incorporated into Jack, I love the fetch idea. I yeah, love fetches, the idea yeah. how like when you're behind cover and you're receiving all kinds of suppressive fire everywhere and you're not able to get ammo or a particular weapon or something like that, you can have Jack go fetch it for you. I love that. I think, I think that's, that's a great addition to a game like this. You know, what's a little off though is Jack knows exactly what to do. Sometimes without even you saying anything. Same can't be said with Dell. Ah, dude, you got to get a Dell. So there's a there's a part where I'm 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 with this baddie and <laughs> Dell recognizes a weak spot. And I think, well, thank you for being Captain Obvious. And then there's a part where you can make the creature uh you know stumble a little bit so mm-hmm. you can hit the weak spot. Mm-hmm. Dell doesn't shoot the weak spot. Of course not. He wants you to shoot the weak spot. He'll shoot everywhere. Thank goodness he has unlimited ammo because he shoots everywhere else except for the spot that he acknowledged was weak. <laughs> like, Dell, just go away. You're not like, you, he doesn't help. Ah, good so old Dell. Ever. I mean, if anything, he's like a distraction for the, you know, the enemies to, to run the after. One good thing that he's good at is, is healing you. I've noticed that, that for the more often than not, if I'm down crawling and I need help, he'll run over and, and help me out. That is the one thing that I can count on Dell for, but everything else, forget it. Yeah, that's actually kind of true. Although Jack does it too, which that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah. And I think you have to, to unlock that particular ability. But once you do, yeah, I mean, it's right there. And going back to Jack, I mean... There are, I love how you can go to a menu screen that just, it shows you what you can unlock and what you've already unlocked. And I love how it's very well organized. The UI, actually, we haven't talked too much about the UI. The UI in this game is clean. Let me tell you, from the main menus to the HUD to the pause menus to the maps, you know, the overhead maps and and, uh, even the multiplayer setups, Everything is super easy to navigate and digest, and it's it's done so with just a, a lovely amount of polish. So kudos to the, the UI design team who has um, put a lot of TLC into this. 
which is saying something because actually like all departments should be really happy with this product. I, I think, um, you know, if, if I were to, to provide concluding thoughts on the game so far, obviously we haven't beaten the game, but what I've seen, I mean, it, it has such high production value in a lot of different areas. I will say in terms of the actual gameplay combat, it does start to feel a little dated just because they're rehashing the tried and true whack-a-mole mechanics and stuff. And I don't want them to do away with that, but I want to see more just elements. Yeah. Kind of more novel approaches to like, okay, what else can you do with your character? And they, to a certain extent, they are doing that, you know, like with, with the wide open areas, for instance, love it. I love how like they have certain vehicles that you can just take out like the skiff. Wonderful idea. I think that there needs to be more of that. I think they're honestly, they need to take um, kind of a, a nod from Halo and really uh, um, incorporate more vehicles in the game. Right. I mean, who's the, who wouldn't want to see a bunch of cogs get into some vehicles and lay waste? I mean, you're already in third person perspective, right? You know, when you're playing Halo and you're playing Master Chief, you get into a warthog or a banshee or a ghost or a yeah. scorpion tank. It doesn't matter. There's all kinds of different types of vehicles in the game. I would love to see that happen in Gears. You can kind of see if they took like some Polaris or Can-Am, you know, off-road doom buggy, but made it look Gears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. And people are going to say like, oh, well, they've done that here and there in the, in the past games. Yeah, I know. I know in Gears 4, you ride a motorcycle, but that's not that's not the same thing. That That's you're on rails and it's, it's more of a roller coaster survival ride kind of thing. I want there to be free reign, kind of like what Halo does, where you're driving through these environments. You have these, we'll just call them altercations <laughs> with uh, the locust and any other kind of enemy. And really, that's one of the other things I think of too is, We've seen the locusts in several games of Gears now. And I'm wondering, are they going to just stick with the locust or are we going to be introduced to new enemies yeah. in sequels? Right. I mean, all the fifth game, you would you would think they would change that up a little bit. Um other than that, though, I'm having a blast playing it. It is a really easy game to get into and start playing. It's super fun when you're playing with friends. And I, for one, am looking forward to seeing how this game ends up in terms of the story and stuff. And I look forward to actually playing more of the multiplayer maps with you and some of our friends who I know who've bought it as well. What are your concluding thoughts? Actually, I'm right there with you, Russ. Everything you're uh, laying down, I'm picking back up. I, yeah. just, I just hope they increase the sound. I want, um, I, you know, you have little little things like on your, your suit, little like fans or jets or something. Maybe that make you, you run. I want to hear more clunking, hard stepping. Uh, it made me think of red dead when you, depending on the surface that you walked on, it would make completely different sounds. And this one, you don't hear much of that. If you're walking on metal or wood or grass or snow, there's kind of something there. There is somewhat of a difference. It's just not very noticeable. Same thing with the, uh, the, the weapons. I really want to feel that, that kick. I mean, you're firing high grade military. Sure. I mean, I really want to. And you, I know you listen to the the games you play very loudly. Yes, I do. <laughs> and we when we twitch, you can just turn your TV down. <laughs> <laughs> I got this covered. <laughs> yeah. So, but but that is pretty much my my literally like my only. I'm not even going to say it's a gripe because it, the sounds are not bad. I just want them amplified what's already there. I want them, I want them to come and slap me in the face, 
But other than that, I'm having a, a wonderful time with it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens at the end and how they're maybe going to leave some knots untied for the next gears. Indeed. So the next cog in the machine. Yes. <laughs> That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. Oh, so you'll get early access to the show and uh, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week.